0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and that was Thelonious Monk with Straight No Chaser, one of my favorite tunes from one of my favorite jazz artists. This weekend marks his 100th. Birthday. The pianist and composer made a huge impact on jazz and music, more generally, writing dozens of original pieces. Many of those are, of course, now jazz standards. Here in Detroit, the Charles H. Wright Museum of African-American History is paying tribute to Monk with a celebration tomorrow from 6 to 8:30 p.m. It will include a screening of the film. Thelonious Monk, American composer, and a conversation about Monk's life and career. Monk's son, drummer and composer T.S. Monk, will be there for the conversation along with one of our next guests, Marion Hayden, who's a jazz bassist from Detroit. She's performing with Kamal Kenyatta in a concert at the Charles H. Wright, called Monk's Dream Concert Saturday at 6 p.m. Also with us is Robin D.G. Kelly. She is a professor of history at UCLA, author of Thelonious Monk, The Life and Times of an American Original, and will take part in the discussion tomorrow at the Charles H. Wright Museum. Robin and Marion, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Hi.
1: <laughs> Good morning, Stephen. Good yeah. morning, Robin. Actually, I'm not sure if we've got Robin there quite yet. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we're trying to get her on the phone, so we'll we'll roll her into the conversation. But uh, you and I will get uh, will get started. Uh, Him. That's right. Robin is a is a man. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Let's talk uh, about the celebration at the at the right for Monk, and let's talk about Monk himself. And as I say, this is one of my favorite artists because I think he's one of the most creative. Jazz pianist of all time, and his sound is so so distinctive. Uh, There there is no way to listen to even the opening bars of any of his music and mistake it for anyone else.
1: No, yeah, you're completely correct. Um, I can, you know, of course, Robin has done just a, a stunning biography of Monk, so he can he can speak to so many so many fabulous inner details, but. I can speak from a standpoint of a musician that I remember encountering uh, Monk's music when I was uh, oh, probably about 12 or 10 to 12 years old. My father was a huge jazz uh, record collector, a lover of jazz, which is where I got, I got my love of jazz from. And uh, he, he, was, he was actually somewhat of an amateur pianist, uh, in, the, in the closet amateur <laughs> pianist, if you will. And, uh, man, he would play Monk around the house. And there was no mistaking that sound. And I remember coming to him and saying, who is that? <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what is that, that right? what is that, who is that? Yeah. You know, I mean, very distinctive from, let's say, the Miles Davis that he would yeah. play with, let's say the Oscar Peterson right. that he would, he would play for us. And, um, oh, just uh, completely completely fell in love, love with his music. It was just, it appealed to me in a, a way that was, uh, even for a young person, there was just something very playful, uh, and uh, very distinctive about it, but obviously completely serious, which I found out later when I, when I actually had to play some of his compositions. <laughs> <laughs> and and there is that. I mean, I guess
0: the way I would describe it is that atonal quality to the both uh, melody and chord structure in in Monk's music. Where does that come from? Where did he get that? And why did he? adopt that as his style
1: um he was he was um just I think he was just very very angular very uh you know he very much ahead of his ahead of his time mm-hmm. um Mary Lou Williams talked about that uh quite a bit mm-hmm. she she was a mentor to Monk and she mm-hmm. she said that when she first heard him that um he was already on that path as a very young person that that was just the you know the 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 how the music came to his yeah. ears, and
0: maybe the way he heard it, yes. the way he heard melody and chord was with these sort of odd notes. Yeah, put in there.
1: And yeah. But it was it was well. Of course, now his um, his his approach has been canonized very much in the music. So right. you so you hear so much I of hear it. Other people, but doing at that it. time it was very much very modern, very contemporary, uh-huh. and not uh, not to everyone's liking. Yeah. Everyone everyone was was not able to really uh, grasp musically. Uh, and aesthetically what he was doing. And uh, so that was, uh, I'm sure that was something that was uh, somewhat of a challenge uh, for for Monk personally, but those of us that love him are just, (laughs) we're just, we're in in his corner all the way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We
0: are now joined by Robin D.G. Kelly, a professor of history at UCLA, author of Thelonious Monk, The Life and Times of an American Original will take part in the discussion tomorrow at the Charles H. Wright Museum. Uh, Robin's research explores the history of social movements in the U.S., the African diaspora, and Africa. Black intellectuals, music, and visual culture. Robin, welcome to Detroit today.
2: Thank you so much. Great to be with you. Yeah, with both of you. Yeah,
0: and we were just talking about uh, Monk and sort of his place in jazz and American music. That's obviously something you know quite a bit about. We were talking about that that sort of Odd quality to right. his melodies and and chords that makes him stand out from from everybody else uh, in right. this world.
2: Can I jump in on on that question? Sure. Because um, yeah. I, I was of course listening and um and I would say that uh, I I wouldn't describe it as atonal actually. Okay. You know, I would think definitely unusual. Uh-huh. Um, but when you but one of the things that Monk insisted on, he was always challenged on his chords on his chord voicings. Uh huh. And he would, they would say things like, well, you play the wrong notes. And of course, Monk thinks that the piano has no wrong notes. But he said, you play the wrong notes, or you play these funny chords. And he said, once when he was actually at the, not just at the New School, but also um, uh, Columbia University had a series of kind of lectures, demonstrations, and they invited Monk to talk about his chords. And Sidney Gross, the guitarist, um, uh, had said, you play these funny chords, they're perfectly logical. And they are perfectly logical, because actually, if you take, you know, you you don't have to have any technical knowledge of music, but if you take, like, a regular chord, which is maybe four notes, Uh it has a root, a third, a fifth, a seventh, and you just play the root in the seventh, that's it. It it has that monk quality. Right. In other words, he's taking away notes, rather than putting in wrong notes.
0: Yeah, that's Um, an interesting way to put it. Mm.
2: Yeah, and not only that, but if, if you listen really, really carefully to sonorities... He's much closer to Gershwin, who uses like what's called the Flat ninth. Uh-huh. Um, and Gershwin gets that from black music, and in many ways, yes. monk is <laughs> is restoring or bringing back very old traditions. And finally, for a lot of people who are consider, consider themselves like modernists, mm-hmm. they won't listen to like Willie the Lion Smith or James P. Johnson or Clarence Prophet or those old uh, type of pianists. Um, or R. Tatum, for that matter. But when you listen to what they're doing, they're, they're like a less... That's why I I, I love the, the concept of angularity. Monk is more angular. Harmonically, Monk is actually a little bit closer to, to James P. Johnson than we realize. Huh. Huh. Um, the bent note that Monk plays, yeah. that James P. was doing that. Yeah. Listen <laughs> to a song like Walk." So there's something about Monk that... Which I, a quality about him, which is both ultra-modern in ultra-old fashion, meaning wow. mm-hmm. ultra-deeply in the tradition. Yeah.
0: You yeah. know?
2: And uh, that's, that, to me, is, is a, a really a, a, a sort of appropriate way to kind of describe his music.
0: Yeah. Uh, is there a particular song that you can think of uh, that we might pull up that, that would, would demonstrate exactly what you're talking about there? Um, well... Or all of it. There's so, <laughs> there's so it? many. <laughs> I
2: mean, there's... there's two different elements. One is, you know, even though is, his chord voicings were, um, were unique, his chord progressions were even more unique. Uh-huh. Because it was, he didn't use a Tin Pan Alley style. So if you take a song like Introspection,
0: uh-huh. you uh-huh. hear
2: a chord progressions that really meander in ways that are unique. But if you listen to Monk playing uh, a solo piano, maybe a song like, you know, uh, Monk's Point or... Um, Or um, raise five, raise four, rather. These kinds of songs, you can really hear him do his his thing as a a blues player.
0: Yeah, and this is uh, introspection coming up, I believe, in the background here. Um, And you can hear, I can hear what you're talking about there, Robin. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can hear exactly what you're talking about. I, you know, the, something you said that strikes me as extremely important uh, about monk's music is that it's the subtraction of notes from uh, from other chords that that, that people might play. Right. Jazz is itself uh, that that process. I mean, I think of that right. as being uh, how you define jazz, right? It's it's not the notes you play; it's the notes. You don't, often. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it is. It right, is. It's, 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 um, yeah, I, I would say that. And, you know, it's interesting because Monk was unique for, um, you know, less is more, you mm-hmm. know, minimalism. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And, you know, um, in some ways he left that legacy, but that's not necessarily the legacy that a lot of younger pianists picked up, because... You know, one of Monk's big pet peeves is that you know everyone's trying to play so fast and play so many notes, um, and that they think that this is virtuosity. That virtuosity is defined by how fast you can play. And what his his mantra is: Look, you know, it's much harder to play slow. It's much harder to, to do something with the melody than it is to do something with the chord progression. Yeah, yeah, And so, in some ways, he was both ahead of his time and out of step with uh, an aesthetic that focused on uh, virtuosity as speed and density. And so when you go back to, you know, Monk, he he could do all that stuff. He could play like Arteta, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he made this choice to allow for more space, um, to allow, you know, even the way he comped, yeah. you know, behind his musicians when he did play behind them. If you ever listen to, like, Some of the recordings, the the two or three recordings, when he played with Dizzy Gillespie's big band Mm -hmm. in
0: 1946,
2: Mm -hmm. you you don't hear the piano much, but when you hear him, you hear him (laughs) over everybody, (laughs) over this huge big band, because he finds the space to fill, because he's such a deep listener, as opposed to just showing his facility
0: right uh, Marion uh, talk about monks dream concert I love the idea of that uh, what will the listeners hear?
1: oh uh, we we will be exploring as much as as much of uh, monk as we can in the the 90 minutes that we have which is nearly of course not needs to say you can just just scratch the surface of of uh, the wonderful music that he's brought to the world over the many years but uh, we have a, we have a few favorites. Um, I know uh, probably the one of the ones that uh, I was first introduced to was the uh, was Straight No Chaser, which mm-hmm. we opened the segment with, mm-hmm. and uh, we will we'll definitely explore. We'll we'll explore one of my favorite records, which is the one a nineteen sixty eight recording called uh, Underground. Uh-huh. Underground, uh-huh. Thelonious uh-huh. Monk, one of my one of my one of my huge favorites. Um, um, I, I like the idea of a Monk sitting there looking like kind of less of a French revolutionary, <laughs> That's, which is the cover of that. Right. And uh, and the music that he explored there was to me was just a very very deeply personal. Uh, and uh, you know there's some, there are a couple of piece, pieces that are um, uh, homages to his daughter. Uh, Barbara and uh, I just, you know, so we'll, we will we will expl- we will definitely uh, we'll definitely have some of that, and then we also will have a um, s- some vocals on this, and you know uh, the great vocalist Carmen McRae yeah. put out a record um, on the music of Monk, uh, Carmen sings Monk, and so mm-hmm. we will use some of uh, some of Carmen's lyrics on oh, wow. a few pieces, wow. and that's going to be very special. I just loved Carmen McRae, and she just uh, she just uh, did a just a beautiful vocal uh, interpretation, lyrical interpretation of yeah. his pieces. So we will explore some of Carmen's work, and uh, we will also have have a poet with us. And we're just going to uh, we're going to it's just going to be a thorough thorough celebration of the of. Uh, of the the music of the man,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, we've only got about a minute left, but but uh, quickly, I want you to talk about as a bassist uh, relating to Monk, who was of course a pianist. <laughs> uh, well,
1: well, what, well. You know, it's interesting, interesting that you say that because you know Detroit has always just been com- like completely deep into Monk. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I first started out, that was you know one of the first things I actually uh, learned from uh, many of uh, many of my uh, great uh, great musicians here, uh, people like Donald Walden, uh, Kent Cox, um, uh, Roy Brooks, um, uh, the great Barry Harris, mm-hmm. who was a close friend of Monk's, mm-hmm. was uh, around midnight. And as a bassist, his music is thoroughly engaging and very challenging, yeah. very, very challenging. And um, I agree with Robin, it doesn't have as much to do with something being really fast, but just the idea that um, that you do have to, you do have to have a, a really great uh, attachment to the chord changes mm-hmm. and be mm-hmm. able to really work within his chord structure which yes. which is, um, which is um, very, can be very intricate yeah. and mm-hmm. has a, a certain way that everything fits together and you have to be you have to be in that space as a basis.. Yeah. And uh, so mm-hmm. with Kamal Kenyatta on piano, this uh, at our concert, we have the great Raphael Stanton on mm-hmm. saxophones, Racy Biggs on trumpet. Uh Jallo Keda on drums and Isis Demille on vocals. We will get there. We yeah. we're gonna we're gonna dig deep into that. Yeah. It'll be it'll be it'll be fantastic, I'm sure. All
0: right, Marian Hayden, jazz bassist from Detroit, Robin D. G. Kelly, professor of history at UCLA. Thank you both for being here on Detroit today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. It's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, Community Service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow. Going out now on Monks Round Midnight.